Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Fishing for Men with Mac show. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to the third show of Fishing for Men with Mac. It's always good to have you here. Today, we'll be dealing with the topic, the Jesus outside the Bible. Is there any record or history of Jesus outside the Bible? And I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey uh, this uh, through the show, uh, which I'm very excited about. There's a, a great murderer of Christians who became a maker of Christians. You might have heard of him. They, they called him Saul of Tarsus while he was killing Christians. And then he became Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he started to make Christians. And he started to really change the world by spreading the message of Jesus all over the world. Now, he wrote a letter to a young man named Timothy. And in one of his letters to this Timothy, he said to him the following. He said, God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. This man, Christ Jesus, he, according to Paul, is the mediator between the human race and the creator of the universe. This one man. But this one man is also God himself. This man has been rated by numerous historical uh, rankers as the number one most influential person of all time. More than 2 billion people worldwide believe in him. Some people would die for this man. Thousands, probably even millions of people have died for this man, this Jesus Christ that Paul speaks about. Some people openly confess his name and they use his name in sport. And so I want to just quickly share with you something that was so cool that I saw this week and I thought it would be good to include this in my podcast. And it's a, it's a boxing match. On the 22nd of February, uh, Tyson Fury from England took on Deontay Wilder for the heavyweight title. It was quite a match to see. Um, but what really sparked my interest is the spiritual battle that took place. Because before the match, the two measured spiritual swords. Wilder claimed to worship some sort of, of ancestor. Uh, and he calls himself the, the bronze bomber. And Fury said he believes in Jesus Christ, the same man that I've been talking about. And that his whole life revolves around him. And so I've recorded uh, this, this conversation for you between the two of them before this fight on the 22nd of February. So you can see the spiritual battle that is taking place. Well, when that night of that fight comes, you're not going to be talking to Deontay Wilder. You're not going to be looking in the eyes of Deontay Wilder. Who am I going to be looking in the eyes of? You're going to be looking in the eyes of the bronze bomber. You're going to feel him as well, too, just like the feeling that you feel him now. Is just that to, like an alter ego or something? Or is it a... a is a, it well alive? Is can, it like a spirit that comes into you, or what is it? It can be an alter ego. It can, it can be a spirit. I, I, you know, it may be an ancestry spirit. Who knows? I'm part Nigerian I don't, as well, I don't too. believe in all that stuff at well, all. I do. Because That's Jesus the... Christ is my saviour. I don't believe in all spirits and alter egos. And even mentioning stuff like that on TV, you're getting it. And, and, Honestly. And that's a... That's the difference if God is with me, me and you. nobody can be against me. And if you're entering spirits and stuff into your body, you can't win. You've already lost. 
You can't beat me. I sit here today as a sincere man who tells the truth and hides nothing behind no curtains. I'm beating you. One million percent. I've not got no doubts. Even after all the time off, you cannot beat me. You can't beat me and 10 more like you can't beat me. See, the difference between me and you, you got your, your mind, you explore it narrowly. I'm an open-minded person. That's why you have to be careful because your words are powerful. What you say out into the universe, it will manifest. What you say will come to pass. But how, you, how, how it comes, this is my time. Definitely and it not. will forever be my time until I retire. I'm sorry to tell you that because I speak it, believe it, receive it. Speak it, believe it, receive it. Speak it, believe it, receive it. And it's mine. Let me tell you, all that stuff you just said, you're already beat. Believe it. It's and not if I'm not illusion. talking to Deontay Wilder, it's not let me talk to the other person you inside you, in. the bronze bomber. You, I'm not trying to get in You're looking at a man who stands in the light. I don't want you I to can't be beat by any alter ego. You, feel me. You might say, life. speak it, believe it, see it, but I don't know no, what you believe in. Believe it, receive I don't it. I know what you believe mine. in. You believe in something I don't. Well, that's the problem. And, and we don't I, believe in the same thing. And we're from a different And this world. is where I don't like a you anymore. Culture. I came here today thinking me and you were similar. But sitting around this table, I know that me and you are so worlds apart. Most definitely. Worlds apart. I look to nothing to come Light inside years. me and win fights. Only the power of God above. That's it. I bump into people like you every single day of my life. It's and I give them the me. same answer. There's only one person. It doesn't, it doesn't do you know There's what I say to you? Ask and you shall Palmer. receive. Ask and you'll There's receive. There's only one Bryce Palmer. Yeah, I can see it now. I can see it. I can see the alter ego coming through. Don't you fear the You spirit. and your alter ego are a pack of bombs. Don't you fear the ancestors, the energy? I don't feel nothing. The ancestry, what is it? But you will. Where are you from? Where are you from? But you will. Where are you from? Who but are you? You, will. you never felt Definitely no power not. like mine. You never power. Been yes, I have felt power. power. Like you're, you're, you never unique. seen power you're like a little like dust mine. in the ocean. You, you power in what? It. I felt the ultimate power from above me. Well, the power it. I'm feeling nah, for you, you is negative. You negative energy. That. You ain't felt that because you're I told a you a long time ago I'm going to baptize you. Yeah, well, let's see if you and can I'm gonna baptize you every, I'm going to put the spirit inside of you. I'm going to put the spirit inside of you. 100%. I don't and want I'm show you how it feels. Claim, I don't want. It's going to be no God against my God. It's going to be no God against my God. No man on earth will ever beat me, Tyson. And so I just love listening to these two. I love... Uh, I, I love Tyson Fury's accent and I just love how there's this, this battle going on and it, it's a physical battle between two people but then they bring in the spiritual side and they come from totally different worldviews and as you as you listen to this I'm sure that you can pick up there's great history this was before their second fight now in their first fight apparently Fury was knocked out cold by while while they're in the 12th round his all, eyes rolled back but he got up straight again and they interviewed um, Deontay Wilder afterwards and he said he couldn't believe when Fury actually got up back again and started fighting again. It's like he, he, he sort of said, well, if you didn't believe in God, maybe that was a moment to believe in God because I knocked him out cold and he got up back on his feet and he finished the fight. And what happened in that fight is that it was a draw. Um, I mean, Fury himself couldn't believe, he couldn't understand how he got up again. And when they spoke to him, he said, well, that could only be God. And his God obviously is Jesus. Now after this first fight, Deontay Wilder posted on Twitter the following. He said, I told you before our first fight I was going to baptize you. And I did. 
But not even God can save you the second time around. I promise you that. Well, 22nd February came. The fight happened. And it was a battle of the gods. In the seventh round, the fight stopped because Tyson Fury had humiliated Deontay Wilder and sent him to the floor numerous times. He was taken uh, backstage, bleeding from the mouth, bleeding from the ear. He went for neurological checkups at the closest hospital. He didn't even have an after-fight interview. And this was the words of Tyson Fury after that fight. Listen to what he says. To do what you just did. You said it, you called it, and you made it happen. You know, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I said those who bring evil against me will not prosper. I said those who stand in the dark can never come into the light. All praise be to the one and only true God, Jesus Christ. Now, Tyson Fury, as you can hear in this interview, believes with his whole heart in the same man, Jesus Christ, that Jesus has done something great for him, right? That Jesus is real, that Jesus really lived, that he really still lives because he was raised from the dead. Yet many people would say he believes in a fairy tale. Isn't that what Richard Dawkins would say? That this boxer, believing in this Jesus, it, he might as well believing in a, in a fairy tale. People would say that Jesus is a fictional character created by someone. We come across this all the time, ladies and gentlemen, as we fish for many. Uh, many people do not believe Jesus was an actual historical figure, never mind a being a, uh, that is a spiritual force in our world today. 40% of adults in England, England, for example, that's where Tyson Fury, who does believe in Jesus, comes from. 40% of adults in England don't believe Jesus was a real historical figure. And maybe that raises the question, why do people believe in Jesus? Well, I think there are many reasons, but I think the key reasons um, would perhaps be because, first of all, because they experience him. Many people would say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. The moment that I started believing in Christ, something changed in me. The moment that I gave my life over, over to him, the moment that I decided it's truth and I believed Things changed in my life, my mind, my heart, everything changed. And so the greatest evidence perhaps for the existence of Jesus is changed lives. Millions of changed lives over the last 2,000 years. But also people believe in Jesus because he really lived. It is a historical fact. And a historical fact is equal to science. And when we say this to non-believers, when we say to non-believers, it's a historical fact that Jesus lived. And the opposite to a historical fact is really a fairy tale or a figment of your imagination. Well, a fairy is a figment of our imagination. A mermaid is, for example. Um, but Jesus cannot be in that category. Zeus, that's a sort of a fairy tale story of these ancient Greek gods. But Jesus doesn't fall into that category because Jesus himself was a real historical figure. And so you would, you would talk with people who don't believe in Jesus and they would say, well, give us proof. Give us proof that Jesus then lived. And, and usually we'd go to the Bible. And the Bible itself is something that really has great evidence. Then they'd say, well, we don't believe what the Bible says because how do we know who wrote this and when it was written, etc., etc. And then we say, well, there's, there's been found more than 5,500 copies of the New Testament in the Greek language and in other languages. Now, other ancient and classical Greek and Roman texts have fewer than 10 copies each. 
Let me give you an example. Plato. I usually say to people, do you believe that Plato really lived? Yeah, yeah, we, I believe Plato really lived. Do you know that the things that Plato wrote about, there's only been nine copies found of it. Yet the New Testament scriptures that talk about Jesus, there's more than 5,500 copies found of it. There's no other historical documents of the same time during the time of Jesus that have been found that there's thousands of copies of. That in itself is amazing. And the other thing that makes it even more powerful is that most of history during that time that, that, have, that have been recorded um, in Roman history, for example, they date around 700 to 1,400 years after the actual events took place. The stories written about Jesus and his followers were written within 100 years after he died. That is amazing for the time. Well, let's compare history with that of the great King Arthur. I mean, movies are made about King Arthur. People believe King Arthur lived. Now, King Arthur lived about 580. That's about 500 years after Jesus. And the major historical source for the events of King Arthur's time does not even mention his name. The first time that we hear about King Arthur is about 300 to 400 years after he, has, he is supposed to have lived. So the historicity of Jesus is historically, it, it's more accurate than even that of King Arthur, even more accurate than that of Plato, even more accurate than anything else that have been written during that time. But then often still I get the response, well, I don't trust the Bible. And if only the Bible speaks of Jesus and nobody else. But then I often get the response, well, I, I still, I, you know, I hear what you say, but I don't trust the Bible. And if only the Bible speaks of Jesus and nobody else at the same time, how can we really trust it? Maybe these people were biased. Uh, about this history. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here is some truth. There are quite a few people who wrote about Jesus and his people who were not believers. They actually didn't like Jesus, some of them. Let me give you some of these and tell you what they said. And here's the reason why I think it is important. If you're a believer in Jesus, you want to be sure about your facts, right? And maybe you're a person that you, you don't really believe in Jesus. Well, listen to what these people say. Listen to what they wrote about 2,000 years ago, and then you make up your mind whether Jesus was really a historical fact or not. Okay, so I'm going to give you a few. This, first of all, let's talk about the historian Flavius Josephus. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a 2,000-year-old piece of writing. Now, Josephus, he, was a, he, he wrote a history of the Jewish people, and he wrote that apparently in about 93 AD. He was not a follower of Jesus. Right, And he writes twice about Jesus. At the one time he writes about James who was killed and he was apparently the brother of Jesus. This Jesus that we read about in the Bible. But the bigger part that he writes which is called the Testimonium Flavianum says the following. I'm going to read it to you. About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man. If indeed one ought to call him a man, for he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Christ. And when upon the accusation of the principal men among us, Pilate had condemned him to a cross, those who had come first to love him did not cease. He appeared to them spending a third day restored to life. For the prophets of God had foretold these things and a thousand other marvels about him. And the tribe of the Christians, so called after him, still to this day have not disappeared. I think that is pretty clear. What about the historian and Roman senator Tacitus? He wrote uh, a first century history of the Roman Empire. And that's apparently dated 116 AD. And he says the following. Neither human effort, nor the emperor's generosity, nor the placating of the gods ended the scandalous belief 
that the fire had been ordered by Nero. Nero was the emperor of the time. Therefore, to put down the rumor, Nero substituted as culprits and punished in the most unusual ways those hated for their shameful acts, whom the crowd called Christians. The founder of this name, Pontius, uh, of, uh, the founder of this name, Christ, had been executed in the reign of Tiberius by the procurator Pontius Pilate. Suppressed for a time, the deadly superstition erupted again, and not only in Judea, the origin of this evil, but also in the city of Rome, where all things horrible and shameful from everywhere come together and become popular. Now, he's writing here a history about this fire that took place in Rome in AD 64, and he wanted, and, and the Nero, the emperor of the time, wanted to blame somebody for this fire, and so he decided he's going to blame the Christians, because he was looking for a way to kill these Christians. They didn't like the story of Jesus, all right? They didn't like how that opposed their Roman gods, and, and how that led people away from worshiping him as the emperor, and I mean, this emperor did bad things. I've read stories as how he would take Christians, tie them with ropes at the back of his chariot and drag them through the streets of Rome. How he would take Christians and impale them on poles and set them alight while they're alive uh, to make light when he's having a garden party at his palace. I've heard stories about how he takes Christians and set them free in the arena to fight wild beasts to be to be eaten by lions. And what they would do is they would put a wet sheepskins around them, tied around them and release these Christians so that the smell of the blood would encourage these wild animals to eat these Christians. I've heard stories of how they would take Christians, put them in thick leather bags and drop them in the ocean. And as they sink to the bottom, they'd be crushed by the pressure of the water before they run out of breath. I mean, it's just horrible things that were done by, by these Romans. Now, there's four truths confirmed here by Tacitus. Jesus was known as the Christ. Jesus started a movement in Judea. He was killed by the Romans. And fourthly, the ruler at the time that he was killed was Pontius Pilate. That collaborates directly with what we read in the, in the Bible. So, so far, just between Tacitus and Josephus, who were two non-believers, we find the following facts. There existed a man whose name was Jesus. He was called the Christ in Greek because he was the Messiah of the Jewish people. He had a brother named James. He won over both Jews and Greeks. The Jewish people of the day didn't have any good opinions of him. Pilate made the decision to execute him. His execution was crucifixion specifically. The time of his execution was during Pontius Pilate's governorship over Judea and that's the day 26 to 36 AD which directly all of these facts corresponds with what we read in the Bible then there's Lucian of Samo Sata he wrote about a former Christian named Peregrinus uh, he doesn't mention the name of Jesus but you can imply it as you as as I'll read it to you now and this is what he writes about Peregrinus it was then that he learned the marvelous wisdom of the Christians by associating with their priests and scribes in Palestine. And what else? In short order, he made them look like children, for he was a prophet, a cult leader, head of the congregation, and everything all by himself. He interpreted and explained some of their books and wrote many himself. They revered him as a god, used him as a lawgiver, and set him down as a protector, to be sure. After that other, whom they still worshipped, the man who was crucified in Palestine because he introduced this new cult into the world. For having convinced themselves that they are going to be immortal and live forever, the poor wretches despise death and most even willingly give themselves up. 
Furthermore, their first lawgiver persuaded them that they are all brothers of one another after they have transgressed once for all by denying the Greek gods and by worshipping that crucified sophist himself and living according to his laws. So yeah, when we read Lucian's words and you go read what the Bible says, it's directly correspondent with the Christian movement and what it is the Christian movement believed. And just one last piece I'm going to read for us is the Roman governor Pliny about 112 AD. He wrote to Emperor Trajan about early Christians saying that they would sing hymns to Christ as to a God. Now let me read that to you. They were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light when they sang in alternate verses a hymn to Christ as to a God and bound themselves by a solemn oath not to any wicked deeds but not but never to commit any fraud, theft, or adultery, never to falsify their word, nor deny a trust when they should be called upon to deliver it up, after which it was their custom to separate and then reassemble to partake of food, but food of an ordinary and innocent kind. And so he's really depicting here a first century small church who believed in Jesus and who decided that they, they want to do life differently and who loved one another even though they were not blood relatives. I can give you still many examples, ladies and gentlemen. There's Celsus, the Platonist philosopher who considered Jesus to be a magician. There's Suetonius, a Roman writer, lawgiver and historian, who wrote of the riots in 49 AD. Um, he speaks about Jesus being the instigator of that movement. Uh, there's Marabar, Serapis. Serapion, a prisoner of war held by the Romans, who wrote a letter to his son that described the wise Jewish king in a way that seems to indicate Jesus but does not specify his identity. And then there's also Clement of Rome, there's Ignatius, and there's Polycarp. But ladies and gentlemen, we don't need to spend much more time on this. It is overwhelming how much evidence and writing there is about Jesus outside of the Bible. So when you meet people, Please debunk the inaccurate fact that there's nothing written about Jesus outside of the Bible. The history outside of the Bible corresponds directly with what is written inside the Bible. And what we're left with is just to accept that the Bible is actually accurate. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they are actually accurate. Now, if Jesus was a fictional character, he would not be mentioned outside the Bible. It would be the figment of the imagination of the people who actually wrote the Bible. But we've seen now, how people who did not believe in Jesus confirm the actual facts that were written by the people who did believe in Jesus. As the facts has it, he is mentioned outside the Bible. And what, the make, what makes the argument even stronger is that this information outside of the Bible can be directly correlate, correlated with the facts inside of the Bible. And of the facts inside the Bible, if, if those facts are correct, then Jesus the man... The man that Paul wrote to Timothy about is indeed the only mediator between God and us. And us. Then the claims of Jesus are indeed the truth that Jesus is still living. And that Tyson Fury is actually in contact with the Son of God. It is true therefore that many people saw Jesus die on the cross. It is true therefore that more than 500 people saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. If we look at the facts of Jesus' life and death and compare it with the growth and spread of Christianity, then it can only be a God-ordered movement. You cannot create a movement like Christianity. One person cannot create that. Maybe you can, you can say that of Islam. 
Because the Islamic movement started in a cave where there was only one man, Muhammad. Yes, that piece of writing was written by one person in a cave. Nobody else was there to, to confirm that an angel apparently said this. Yet we have these ancient scriptures that lead up to Christ, that talk about Christ, and that talks about after Christ. Forty different people wrote this entire compilation of documents over a period of 1,600 years, and it's unconfirmed with history outside of that corpus of writings. So it's got to be a God-ordered movement. A human being cannot create such a story and such a movement that's concretized in the Jewish history. Ladies and gentlemen, the Christian faith is not a blind faith. It is a faith also based on evidence. Jesus is a real, factual, historical person. But before he will be real to you, you will have to ask yourself the question of whether you will accept the fact. And then ask him to reveal himself to you, and he will. Frank Turek usually asks atheists the following question. If Christianity was true, would you become one? And often the answer is this. No, they say. Even if Christianity was true, I wouldn't become one. And that reveals the reality. That question usually reveals that people often believe what they want to believe, regardless of the facts. I believe in Jesus because I cannot not believe in him. I would have to deny facts. I would have to let go of my rationality if I didn't want to believe in him. And apart from that, I've experienced him. He's too good. He's too real. And he's too evident for me to deny him. What about you?